welcome back to Butter With That, a movies podcast where some friends from Philadelphia come together to chat about some of our favorite movies, also sometimes some of our least favorite movies. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed our awards extravaganza. Um, now that we talked about our you know picks from 2019, we're moving on to a new theme. And this month, our theme is action movies. Um, we have quite a few different movies lined up for you to talk about this month. Uh, but before we get into all of that, how's everybody doing? It's been a little bit since we've recorded. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Anybody seen any movies? Dave, I know you have something to report on. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I sure do. Um, long awaited, you know, ever since we, we got to see the trailer uh, back in July of last year. Um, and now it's finally come to fruition and it finally came out, uh, about a month ago now, a little over a month ago, I guess now. Um, then that would be cats. Uh, <laughs> of course the, uh, <laughs> the cinematic, yeah. Take on, uh, on Andrew Lloyd Webber's, uh, long running stage classic. Um, you, you know, you may have heard that, uh, it wasn't so great. You may have heard that it was pretty bad. That the effects were uh, were pretty weak, that the acting wasn't so good, that uh, the set design was terrible. Uh, all those things are very true. <laughs> but uh, I, I have seldom had such a great time watching a movie. By the end, I was like, I, I, I had to wipe the tears from my face because I was in just like joyous hysterics. Um, I really loved it. Every moment, uh, my jaw was on the floor. I think I said, what the fuck, aloud to no one, no less than eight or nine times. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was, it was just along for the ride, really down for it. It's the most surreal thing I've ever seen put to film. And I, I have would, to watch it I would now. definitely yeah. recommend yeah. it. Oh my God. I, guys, I, yeah, I can't. It's, <laughs> it's an experience all, all to itself. I, it's unlike any other movie I've ever seen. And I loved all of it. I think if any movie is the movie for us to go see it at the theaters together, mm-hmm. all five of us, mm-hmm. I think it's, it should be Cats. The fact that they released it without it fully rendered and Judy Dench's hand with the ring was still clearly shown. That Connor, you said that they had to do a, a different mm-hmm. like tape, like a, a different Which reel. Is insane to think that that's a thing that can happen now. That they can release movies without them being finished, and then as people go to the movies, they're seeing different versions of that movie. Right. That like blows my mind. Has that happened before? Do we know? Not that. Not there have been some movies that have tested poorly enough that they've altered yeah. endings after the fact or things. But like, yeah, it's become like a whole different it, phenomenon. I feel I like it's the animators like the night before pulling an all nighter, mm-hmm. and it's like one thing to ask for an extension on like a college paper, and like another thing to be like this movie releases tomorrow I think, in theaters. I feel theaters. so bad. Who was it? Was that Toby Hooper who directed it? Was that his name? Tom, not, Tom, Tom Hooper. Tom, yeah. Tom Hooper. Toby Hooper. Fortunately, yeah, well, unfortunately for. Him, but fortunately for the rest of us, uh, passed away before being able to make something like this. <laughs> uh, I think he said he finished the cut at noon around lunchtime before the premiere that night in Los Angeles. Oh, Are you serious? Like, oh, like, like, that, finished, down to the like wire. that premiere cut was done day of. It's like, Dude, that's a thing you're going to admit to people? It's wildly bad. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible, though. It's interesting um, that movies have now reached a point where video games are at. We're releasing games, as Tori mentioned, like incomplete. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of days, weeks, and months, a game could be 100% totally different. Yeah. With different yeah, patches yeah. that are introduced. So it's just kind of funny being like, 
oh, this has like been video games forever. Now movies are finally like at that point too. I want to go and be like, instead of being like, oh yeah, like I'll go see the IMAX version or the 3D version. Like, can I see the version with Judy Dench's hands? <laughs> can I just see the finished film for once? Yeah. And like, that's the thing too that I think is like kind of ties into what we were talking about before we got started. We were talking a little about Rise of Skywalker. Um, I, I think we're seeing like a, a, an era emerge where there's like, this heightened attention to like social media and internet uh, perception of a film prior to its release while it's still in like wrapping production. Mm. So like that's going to continue to manifest itself as like the corruption of otherwise like complete or like, Mm -hmm. you know, coherent ideas. Mm -hmm. And instead they always feel like this spun out nonsense that tries to please everyone. Like there's more (laughs) of this like kind of fan service idea exists. And the more they try to please everyone, the worse movies are going to get Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland who do Rick and Morty talk a lot about how they don't look at Reddit. They tried their hardest to avoid the internet, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially going from seasons two to three. It was like almost, I believe like a two year wait. So as they were like trying to, you know, make the new season, they're like, we can't look at the internet because Mm -hmm. they're going to have better ideas than we have. And I know George R. R. Martin, says the same thing too about um, mm. Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire finishing up. Like kind of tying it with just like where we're at now and how um, Disney's evil. Uh, it, I just recently saw that now that uh, Christopher Tolkien passed away, uh, rest in peace, uh, mm-hmm. they're now trying to get the rights to Tolkien's Jesus materials. And I'm like about to go and like murder like Disney. Um, I'm like so angry. It's just they have, so, they have <clears throat> so much money. Yeah, like get your greasy hands off of every, off of this. Like, but leave everything alone. get it because they have so much money. I know. It's infuriating. I can't. Um, one thing that did make me happy, though, and that I liked a lot, I finally saw I, Tanya, Oh! Um, and it was uh, fucking great. great. It was so good. It was so good. She's amazing. There's, like, a line at the end, basically, about how, like, she was like a person that was abused and like Mm -hmm. all of like the stuff people said about her was an extension of that and she was just like getting attacked like in that way too and it's like such a powerful moment um sebastian stan was very good in it and i like don't necessarily think he's like a great actor in a lot of stuff i've seen him in unfortunately but i thought he was like phenomenal in i tanya and also allison janning is like incredible too um it's so good yeah the the montage they do with Goodbye Stranger. Yeah. Fucking rad. Yeah. It is so good. It's so good. Where were you able to watch that? Uh, it's on Hulu. Oh, great. Ooh, yeah. I do need to There's see that. There's actually then. a lot of good stuff on Hulu, including Booksmart. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Booksmart. Mm-hmm. Hulu is finally stepping it the fuck up. I know. Which, like, also depresses me because Hulu is owned by Disney. So it's like, ugh. Oh, my God. Oh, really? God. Yeah. It, just uh, keep, it just keeps going on. They, they can't get away from they it. They got Fox's shares of Hulu. So basically, Disney had 30, Fox had 30. Other people had thirty, so they got Fox's God. third. Oh, that makes a lot. That's how of they sense. got. That's how they got control. <laughs> <sighs> yep. Anybody see anything else? So my roommate and I are watching Star Wars, and we're starting in episode order. So we just watched Phantom Menace the other night, and <laughs> I've seen it before. I've seen them all now, but I, it, it had been like maybe fifteen years since I've I've seen Phantom Menace, and and I apologize for everyone you've already heard me rant about this. Ten minutes into the movie, <laughs> Jar Jar Binks says, "Squeeze me." That is something <clears throat> that is said in a real. Star Wars movie <laughs> by a real fucking character. Squeeze me. I can't. I just, there is nothing I can say about it. That's this. also after 10 minutes of talking just about like 
trade embargoes. Mm-hmm. Like, God, right? what were they thinking? Trade embargo. You're like, so so nothing. I'm getting nothing here. And then I hear, excuse me. Are you fucking serious? Followed by you and McGregor's terrible fucking wig at certain parts. I had to rewind it because I was like, Poor I wait, love it so much. <laughs> He's got, well, no, it's Anakin oh, who has the rat tail. Or like no, the, no, no, no. Are we talking no, no, about oh, Qui-Gon Jinn? No, 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 oh, no, no, no. Yeah, like, so he's, uh, he's, got the he's not, like, a full master yet, so that's why he's got the dumb little rat tail. And then Anakin has the dumb rat later, tail. Later. But Ewan had one. it. He rocked it first. Yeah. Has, Ewan yes. has, like, nice flowy hair when he's, like, Detective uh, Obi-Wan, <laughs> which Obi-Wan. is my favorite part of Attack of the Clones. <laughs> um, so... Liam Neeson has a wig in Phantom Menace. That is, yes, that is very much mm-hmm. a wig. But it looks like Hugh McGregor, he has his hair, like he has his real hair at one point. I guess they must have done reshoots and he had shaved it at some point because then they put mm-hmm. a wig on him only in certain scenes. And so like we played a game like, can you spot the wig? Spot the wig? Because it is so bad. <laughs> There's so much more I can say. Connor, you mentioned this to me before, and this has blown my mind, that the pod racing scene, it's so long on Disney+. Plus. It is so fucking long. It was shorter, but they added it in. Why? For what purpose? Because it's the only interesting part of that whole movie. Nope. (laughs) Not not after 15 minutes, it's not. Are those those hovercraft things? Mm, Yeah. I think my favorite moment in... um... The Phantom Menace is during toward the end of the fight with uh, Darth Maul, Obi Wan, and Qui Gon of when the red laser doors activate. Yeah, and then Qui Gon just sits to meditate. Yeah, and then Darth Maul paces like a like a predator. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. Yeah. There are some things that are brilliant about the movie, and you're like, oh yeah, that's really cool. Like bringing in Darth Maul, like shit, yeah. But then also getting yeah. rid of Darth Maul in the way that oh well the fucking honestly also now that I am like deep into Clone Wars like it's making all of Star Wars better for me it's like even making me like love the prequels mm-hmm. a little bit more like because Clone Wars is just so fucking good like... Dave Filoni's a goddamn magician also I looked him up the other day does he only wear cowboy hats because that's weird <laughs> shit he's bald. it's probably because he's bald i guess uh, i was like who is this genius that has like given me like good star wars and every picture he's wearing a cowboy hat that's a that's a stick mm-hmm. um i saw 1917 i want to see that i saw that also yeah it was it was truly phenomenal um mm. i feel like a lot of times i say you should go try to go see it in the theater but this is one where i mean it like mm-hmm. um the, just the scale of it, um, the cinematography of it, the one-shotness of it, just all of it really lends to mm. seeing in the theater. And there were kind of like surprising like horror elements to it. Mm. Um, like I'll, body horror? Body horror, suspense. Interesting. I guess we'll, yeah. I mean, we'll very light, like, I don't know if that's later, yeah. the right genre, but just in terms light of... Light body horror. <laughs> oh, there's definitely body horror. That it was like horrific. Maybe horrific. Maybe, yeah. Um, there were definitely moments of like tension, suspense, jump scares. No, no, no mustard gas. No mustard gas. Although that would have been, I guess, maybe a different part of the front. I don't mm-hmm. know. Because, I um, mean, if you're talking about body horror, that's like a great opportunity. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, no, no mustard gas. Yeah. Uh, there's a great shot where a cathedral's on fire. And then, um, then you see the shadow right next to it. And you're like, has that been there the whole time? Like, oh, I just... love that. That sequence yeah. is one of the best parts, yeah. Um, just Sam Mendes... Director of Skyfall directed the, and then at the end he dedicates it to like his great grandfather, her grandfather, Aww. who served, and the men who served. Mm-hmm. Real, a real passion project. Is it based on uh, a real account of something that happened, or is it? 
I, I mean, assume so. In addition to the larger I context. I didn't do any research on <laughs> that. I assume because it said at the end, it's like, you know, like based on like the stories that, like or like the stories that the men of that generation told. Or, okay. Mm-hmm. I guess it was a real battle. Well, I, I well, I guess in addition to the context of a real battle, like I was wondering if the particular stuff. people that the movie follows is based on any historic individuals i'm not yeah. sure Definitely because i feel gener- like it, it thanks i feel like it thanks the one character by name at the end doesn't it as though it's a real person i think that was thanking his grandfather maybe maybe that's what it was i think like the generals are like real i feel like those names sounded familiar hmm. but whether the foot soldiers whether they're like our protagonists are real i'm not sure it's yeah pretty stunning i would rescind uh my my last week uh i think it was last week maybe it was the week before whenever we discussed uh best cinematography for 2019 i would rescind uh my my no- vote for midsummer and replace that with uh Ooh. was it richard deacons it. who did it roger De- yeah. Roger, yeah. roger yeah just him showing off you know mbd yeah the titan of <laughs> cinematography uh i saw my first uh born movie uh born ultimatum and it was, uh, it gave me a headache. Which one is that? That's the third one. <laughs> oh, I think that's the only one I've ever seen. Uh, but it was, it, it did its job. You There's know? a cool fight a in a hotel room. <laughs> I mean, room. Of, you know, putting Jason Bourne in a, uh, tense situation. Mm. Oh, sure. Uh, Julia Stiles is oh. fine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She has this one hairdo. She's got these intense highlights that are like really distracting. Oh. But the the camera keeps shaking, and I think that's why mm. I I speaking of uh, cinematography, I would say this one uh, was shot in a very distracting way. Paul Greengrass is directing. that? Mm. Oh, he's okay. a director. I assume he was of all three. But um. it was a very important movie to watch as far as understanding Jason Bourne's full arc. Uh, won't reveal anything about the ending, but it's it's um, it's a return of sorts. It's also an interesting one to start Not with. To the you grave, started with but... three. <laughs> I, it wasn't my choice. Uh, I was, uh, yeah. I would give the I would give Born Identity a chance. Yeah, I like that movie. It's all right. It had flashbacks to Born Identity. And Chris Born Cooper, Identity. I think, is in Born Identity. And yeah, oh, my fave. Uh, young Matt Damon, like two-year-old Matt Damon. That was crazy. Two-year-old. two-year-old. <laughs> Baby born. Baby born. Yeah. Yeah. So many puns there. Um, so that's all I have to report. Uh, I think it's a really great transition to talking about what film brings us together today. And that is Casino Royale. Yeah. Um, the first James Bond movie of the Daniel Craig era with sort of a big reboot mm-hmm. for the franchise. Very much taking inspiration from Bourne. Um of sort of this, instead of having goofy gadgets and sharks with laser beams, grounding it uh, to be a much more kind of real action sort of experience. Uh, has anybody ever seen this movie before? before yeah, we yeah. This? yeah, a bunch. This it. was my first James Bond movie ever. Whoa! It, it was mine too, and I've only seen the Daniel Craig ones. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I have not seen any of the other Bourne movies either. Or, ugh. This is probably going to happen more than once. This is going to happen movies. Oh, you have to Golden say it. You have fantastic. to say it British, and then you'll get it. Um, friend of the show, Tom, who's on our Lighthouse episode. Uh, James Bond is his favorite franchise. Oh, he's a huge fan. So I was uh, picking his brain about it all day today, and <laughs> we were having a great time discussing it. Um, I guess before we dive into it, I just want to give a brief synopsis of the movie for folks who haven't seen it. Um, this is the twenty-first Bond film. Um, 
And this 2006 reboot of the fabled action hero James Bond cast Daniel Craig as a newly minted 007 agent for MI6. Intense, gritty, and gadgetless, Casino Royale follows Bond as he attempts to take down Mads Mikkelsen's Le Sheriff. Le Chief. Le Chief. Le Chief. He's a banker for numerous terrorists who has lost all their money, and he is starting a high-stakes poker game at uh, the Casino Royale in Montenegro to try to get their money back. Mm-hmm. Uh, joining Craig is Eva Green as Vesper Lind, who is a member of the Royal Treasury and controlling all the funds, who also checks Bond's ego and serves as his verbal foil. Over the course of the film, Bond is beaten bloody, outsmarted, nearly killed, and heartbroken by the time the credits roll, when the iconic theme song is finally introduced and the Bond we know has arrived. Mm. Um, this movie kind of reminded me a lot of Batman Begins. Mm. Um, Batman Begins came out one year before Casino Royale. And so both of these movies taking a franchise that was sort of, you know, not, you know, kind of um, not so many great movies, trying to rebuild it a much more grounded and gritty approach. So that's one reason why I chose it for Action Movie Month of sort of a symbol of these sort of mid 2000s kind of reboots of these older franchises. Do we know what Pierce Brosnan uh Bond movie had come before this. What was the last Sky one? Die Another did? Day, I believe, right? Oh. Yeah, 2002. It was, uh, I think, the longest period in between Bond films, if I'm recalling correctly. Right. It was kind of funny reading on the Wikipedia page for all the Bond films, um, starting with, I think, Sean Connery's was uh, late 1960s. Uh huh. Going pretty much all the way until 2002. There were, if it wasn't every year, it was just like every other year. Pretty, pretty, much. pretty frequently, yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie was reviewed incredibly well. It's at a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, audience score at 98. Um, one review that I saw uh, from Christopher Orr of The Atlantic, unlike recent Bonds, whose kills had no more weight than other one than the one-liners that generally accompanied them, Craig's tended to be intimate, bloody, and devoid of glamour. And I also wanted to read a review that Roger Moore wrote, um, which is pretty cute. He was uh, James Bond previously. Um Roger Moore wrote, Daniel Craig impressed me so greatly in his debut ad in Casino Royale by introducing a more gritty, unrefined edge to the character that I thought Sean Connery might just have that Sean Connery might just have to move over. Craig's interpretation was like nothing we'd seen on the screen before. Jimmy Bond was earning his stripes and making mistakes. It was intriguing to see him being castigated by M, just like a naughty schoolboy would by his headmaster. The script showed him as a vulnerable, troubled, and flawed character, quite the opposite to my Bond. Craig was and is very much the Bond Ian Fleming, the author, um, had described in the books. A ruthless killing machine. It was a Bond that it was a Bond that the public wanted. So impressed was more that he chose to buy the DVD. Oh, <laughs> that's so yeah, sweet. That's listed on IMDb as Hell trivia, yeah. by the way. It's just like Roy Moore liked this movie so much, he went out and bought it on DVD. <laughs> and I'm like, we maybe need to refine what the term trivia, trivia. is supposed to mean. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I really liked those two reviews, especially Roger Moore. Um, I want to now turn it over to you guys. What did you guys think of uh, Casino Royale, kind of watching it again or watching it for the first time? Um, I first saw this when I was in high school, so I guess like pretty soon after it came out, like my dad rented it or something, and it was just the two of us, and we were like hanging out, and like my dad like let me drink beers at the house and like drink, so that was like a fun thing for us to just like hang out and like drink in high school with my dad, and he was like, yeah, let's watch this James Bond movie, it's really good, and I had like no interest because I had never seen any of them, and I fucking loved this movie, and I was like, oh, like. It, I mean, it got me into Daniel Craig, who I think is, like, amazing. I mean, he's doing, like, super crazy stuff now. Like, yeah. he's so good at Knives Out. But, um, 
Yeah, I was like, I, you know, in my head, it was very different from what I assumed James Bond mm -hmm. was like before that. Um, and I can't really speak to it, but there's something about Daniel Craig that seems very scrappy compared mm -hmm. to like scenes I've seen of other Bonds. And I love that about like this movie. Yeah, there's a there's a real physicality to his performance. I mean, the opening he's so sequence. He's dirty all the time. <laughs> he's dirty and sweaty all the time. But like even that whole mm -hmm. long opening sequence that's like one long chase slash parkour scene mm -hmm. and yeah I feel like and again I've seen Goldeneye and I is Die Another Day the the one like in the Arctic uh, at times with the submarines I believe maybe I don't know whatever about? I've seen some that's of the, that's Pierce the surfing Brosnan one stuff. right on the big wave but like he barely ever like breaks <laughs> a sweat it seems like in the mm. previous at least Bros uh, Pierce Brosnan mm -hmm. but yeah Daniel Craig is like running a lot goes through the ringer the scene where he's poisoned mm -hmm. you're like this might be the end yeah. for for bond um and so yeah i really appreciated uh daniel craig's performance and um just yeah you really feel and watch him in dire circumstances and you can see that taking a toll on like his psyche on his body and it really feels like this is breaking down mm. this character and that the cuts on his face and the scars and the wounds carry over from scene to scene to scene yeah oh yes yeah yes. he's not like perfectly clean mm -hmm. the next time you see him yeah uh, I'll say not really a fan of the Bond franchise. Um, I've seen I've seen like several of them. I like at the Pierce ones. I've seen most for the most part, um, and I really like Goldeneye and stuff. But like, yeah, there's there's something about the character, or at least I initially thought it was the character that makes me kind of disengaged. Um, which is that they are just sort of like so cool, calm mm -hmm. and collected mm -hmm. and in control the whole time, even when in compromising situations, like famously when he's like shackled to that, like um, that, that like large metal slab while the lasers going and like, oh, you mm -hmm. know, all the stuff we've seen parodied so many times. Um, there's just a coolness and a disin like a detachment on the part of the character that's written into his like stylistic aura so often that I, I tend to find him to not be a very captivating character. Uh, Craig, I thought on the contrary, brought a lot of like humanity to the character as we've been discussing. He's way grittier and he's way more human. Like mm. he's, he's actually conflicted and is actually like someone who isn't constantly in control. doesn't have an ace up their sleeve at all times. So it makes it way more interesting. That being said, I did also realize that the bond format also disinterests me a little bit because mm. though I like Daniel Craig a lot and think he's arguably the best embodiment of a realistic bond these movies still don't grab me that mm. much so like i said this was the first james bond movie um i had tried to go my whole life without ever watching a james bond movie would have made it but sorry because Sam. of you connor so that. like sorry <laughs> so like loki i was a little annoyed i was like fucking gotta watch james bond um that i didn't like it the big skyfall then in the future yeah i didn't like it this movie's not for me. That's it. I mean, like, it was fine. And I can understand why people who like this movie would like it. It's just, I'm not their target audience. So, of course, I'm going to be like, well, the dialogue suck. This suck. I don't really care about that. Blah, 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 blah. So, like, I was just trying to find things that I didn't like. Um, because I'm just not the person they made it for. And I think that that is okay. So, like, I'm going to try to be positive. And because I know it is a movie that you like and you guys appreciate, too. That's whole, everything 2020 is going to be about. Even if I hate it, I'm going to try to be positive. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. 
but I hated it. Okay. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I mean, you're like, I didn't like it. And at the end, I hated it. <laughs> what would you say, like, bothered you the most about the movie? I just think that I'm, like Dave said, I'm just generally not interested in this, like, like macho kind of character that's like knows it all is like really physical and knows how to like beat the shit out of people and I just I can I like characters like that but I just need a little bit more to them and I need a little bit more of like I want to know more about the organization that they're connected to. Like, same reason why I don't really like the Mission Impossible movies because it's I, all like, just like really distant and vague and and I don't I I don't feel anything for yeah. it. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you feel that way about this this Bond movie in particular because if you see the other ones, you're really gonna hate them. Oh, I'm sure. That's like, sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I feel like rewatching Casino Royale. I just I remembered when it had when it came out and that it represented such a departure from the original franchise and yeah. so within that framework I think or at least comparing the Daniel Craig Bond and the sort of fresh approach that this movie uh, or critics were saying this movie brought to the storylines and brought to the character I like that I think to me was what was appealing to his performance and the movie in general. But I think a larger assessments of really what the bond franchise mm-hmm. means is also a really interesting mm-hmm. discussion. And to think about comparing a bond character to maybe other action movie franchises and what other, um, action heroes kind mm. of stand for what their mm-hmm. relationship is to their boss, like what motivates characters and like mm-hmm. um i mean i guess in casino royale he's a is he a new he's not a new agent he's new 007 he's, he's a new yeah. 007 yeah. so the i think the movie starts off with a great point of the black and white kind of intro scene mm-hmm. where you see him kill his second target because to be a 007 you have to kill two people and so it kind of flashes back between him meeting with a, I guess he was like a British intelligence officer, MI6 person, who was selling secrets to other governments. And so watching Bond, like, basically just kind of like taunt him a little bit mm-hmm. as it's flashing back to him killing that man's, um, cons- not consultant, or his like informer, his um, helper. It's interesting too, though, because like this is like the first in the series. And I think one thing that they do, like, as the this series goes on with Daniel Craig ones, it does seem like they try to get more deep into like MI six and um, the like crime organization because like Lashif ends up just kind of being one pawn and mm-hmm. like this huge network of criminals, and that's a thing they kind of continue on with. And then also like his relationship with M um, also like changes, and like I I kind of like that. I like like him and Judy Dench together like in the series. Um, and by the time you get the Skyfall, which is the third Daniel Craig movie, then they really have an awesome relationship mm-hmm. going back and forth. Yeah, it's cool. I think something like that struck me rewatching this movie. I thought action wise, the the opening sequence was really gripping and mm. super fast paced. Um, some great shots of them jumping between uh, cranes and all sorts of things. But what I also found a little bit disturbing was how much destruction yeah. Bond creates and how many people are killed. And mm-hmm. I mean, when he just blows up that embassy and, and yeah. it's acknowledged in the <laughs> and movie, but like, like you blew up an embassy. I know, but, and it's just like, this is 
horrific. Yeah. Like, truly, truly horrific. And part of me was like, ooh, I don't know... This is an interesting way to open a movie and set up a hero we're supposed to root for. But at the same time, I guess I sort of saw it as a new 007 and audiences are really watching Mm -hmm. what destruction is brought about by characters Mm. like this, especially ones that like are still trying to figure out how to like create as little mess as possible. And he creates so much mess. I mean, I, I felt really disoriented by, like, the beginning of the movie because I came in with absolutely no knowledge about James Bond 007. I don't know that you really need it for, for this one, but... I feel like I did because I spent right. probably the first 20 minutes being like, what the fuck did I miss? Hmm. So, like, the whole beginning, the black and white sequence, I was like, clearly I missed something from this because I don't understand why it was in it. I really did not know why they were showing it and, like, that's why he was becoming 007. Like, maybe they said it in there and I just missed it. Like, that's definitely possible. But, like, that was totally missed on me. And then, like, as I was watching the opening scene where he's chasing that guy, I'm like, okay, first of all, like, why is he chasing this guy? I was really distracted by the snake and the ferret fight. And I was like, is it Ricky Tiki Tabby? You know that story? Um, it's a mongoose. Whatever. Um, so, like, I was really distracted by that. So, I don't, I don't exactly know why. Obviously, because it was a bomb. But... Um, the, I had always thought that James Bond was just a regular man, just like a regular spy assassin, what have you. So like, as I was watching he, him and, and the other dude like parkouring and doing all this shit, I was like, what the fuck? I could not get past the fact that like most of what I saw was probably impossible. I think that uh, some of it probably was some of the parkour stuff, especially I think like 2006 was right when people were really obsessed with it. Parkour. I'm thinking of that Parkour. episode of The Office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, like, I, I think it was in the ether and it was on a lot of people's mind. But, it like, the when Daniel Craig is running up the crane thing. That was so cool. It was yeah. cool, but I was like, really? Like, for real? I, I grippy just, shoes, you know? Yeah, uh, well, all right. Well, you that's my this, mistake. I didn't movie, know. doesn't have gadgets. Uh, grippy shoes. He's grippy shoes. There's grippy also hand. a pause in that fight, and doesn't he, like, throw a gun at him or something? Yeah, he, I, oh, he pissed <laughs> like, so literally. <laughs> yeah, I think that stands to the, the argument then, too, and reinforces that, yeah, this probably isn't a franchise for you, because uh, most of the times with Bond movies, you are just kind of dropped into a scenario that, like, it has momentum that isn't explained until later on. Um, so yeah, if, if that's, if that's not your bag off the top, then that's probably pretty in line with a lot of the other ones, mm. which, you know, is so interesting when you find something that you just don't jive with like at all. Um, and just like structurally instinctually, because like, you know, by far and large, like it's a fine movie. It's fine. It's just, God, it's like, not... I don't give a fuck about born. Like, <laughs> right. We're right. We're right. It's, it's like, I watched it's... one of them and I was like, eh, okay. But like, I was like, I don't care about this at all. <laughs> Yeah, ultimatum was was <laughs> yeah fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I picked this for action movie because uh, I think the Bond franchise is a really important kind of, and I don't think anybody else picked like a spy action kind of movie, mm. and especially those three fights with the Madagascar chase in the beginning, the scene at the Miami airport with the oil tanker, and then <laughs> um, how did he get that thing from underneath the truck? I was like, are you fucking like? <laughs> 
Chris Angel Mind Freak. Like, how did you get that thing on the guy's Also anyhow, a double sorry. of seven. <laughs> Wait, something at work today really reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. So there was, like, this truck that was, I think it was stranded, like, right outside across the street. And, like, someone was going underneath it and working on it. And I was like, oh, my God, am I watching to see a right <laughs> Uh, so I think those two action scenes, the action scene um, in the middle of the movie when there's like the big machete fight in the stairwell feels very like Bourne-esque. Those dudes have huge machetes yeah. in this teeny like fucking like hotel. Oh, it's so good. Uh, and then the final scene at the very end of the movie where they're in Venice and then the one of these, you know, ancient homes like collapsing around them. Mm-hmm. That's um, heartbreaking. Oh my God. That was like Titanic right yeah. there. All, all of these, all of those action scenes were pretty much all practically done with stuntmen, with mm-hmm. actors, with miniatures. Um, they actually filmed some scenes. I actually have a little um, excerpt here about the end of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. The sinking of the Venetian house at the climax of the film featured the largest rig ever built for a Bond film. Mm-hmm. But the tank can, with a tank consisting of, I'm not sure what that means. Of a Venetian piazza and the interior of an abandoned house being constructed. The rig, weighing some at 90 tons, Holy incorporated shit. electronics with hydraulic valves that were closely controlled by computers because of the dynamic movement within the system on its two axes. The same computer system also controlled the exterior model, which the effects team built on a one-third scale uh, to show the building itself, like the exterior shots of the building falling into the canal. That's cool. Where do they put this shit, like, when they build it? You know, like, I saw a lot of behind-the-scenes of Game mm-hmm. of Thrones and I saw how they did that. Where where, <laughs> where are they putting this? <laughs> uh, they filmed mo- a lot of this on set in um, Prague and in Italy and in the Bahamas. And then they filmed most, a lot of the, from what I've seen, the interior stuff, the inside of the uh, finale at Pinewood Studios in London mm-hmm. at the movie studio there. Um, so... I think what's great, what I really enjoy about James Bond movies are the globetrotting kind of nature of it. Um, I would probably like the Mission Impossible movies as well. I haven't seen any of those. I haven't either. Um, that will probably change over the course of this podcast this year, probably. And my six. I know Garrett loves <laughs> them. I do like those a little more. Yeah. Um, and so I, seeing this movie years ago, those all those action scenes really stood out to me. Uh, and I just feel like this would just be like an interesting pick to also just talk about like the Bond franchise in general. Um, so I have just a few box office statistics. Uh, so this so Casino Royale had a budget of $150 million and made almost $600 million at the wow. box office. Um, so certifiable hits. And prior to the release of Skyfall in 2012, the James Bond series had grossed approximately $2.5 billion in 2011 dollars. Um, after factoring in the earnings of almost $2 billion from Skyfall and Spectre, the sequel, uh, the series has earned about $14 billion adjusted for inflation. Damn. So in is Daniel Craig's James Bond the most like financially successful James Bond? Certainly, if we're looking at the billion dollars, he definitely has two. Base, uh, Skyfall did make a billion dollars. I think Spectre fell just under um, a billion dollars. Um, it seems like the, the – and I also picked it because there's a new Bond movie coming out this April. Uh, no time to die. So and um, what's her name is the writer on it now. Um, Fleabag. Uh, uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's a good trailer. Anna yeah. Darmus is in it from Knives Out. Mm-hmm. Oh, is she? Yeah, yeah, Ooh. yeah. That's cool too. Um, so I hopefully that um, No Time to Die will pull a Skyfall and be a good other movie. Yeah. Um, because Casino Royale really good, very well received. Quantum of Solace. I remember seeing that in theaters and being disappointed. It's fine. Um, I've yeah. watched it. A lot more than I probably should have, but I also just like these ones, so. According to Tom, Quantum of Solace is the first James Bond sequel ever. Like, direct narrative sequel. Oh! So things pick up where the 
I never saw yeah. it where Casino Royale leaves off. Yeah, so Casino Royale ends. He so there's I guess and he's about, like reeling from the end of this movie with right. um. It's the what? first time a Bond girl, as they're termed, actually carries over an importance into another and movie. Like, as far as I know, Eva Green is a babe, and she is like very good in this. So she's like a little untraditional though mm. for like a what I typically know as Bond girls. So it's interesting. Well, when she's first introduced, she comes onto the train that he's on in like a very masculine mm-hmm. looking outfit. And I think that's definitely done on purpose. Like there's that woman early on he hooks up with that's mm-hmm. wearing like the like beautiful like yeah. yellow dress. And she dresses up later when she's like playing the part as his like date or whatever. But like I think that's like part of it. They're like making a point that like she's smart. She's like a part of this like world and is like very savvy. She's like the money person mm-hmm. and then has this like also masculine look about her which i think is really cool james bond is historically a very misogynistic sexist yeah. franchise yeah and so the writers tried really hard and i have their names uh right up here written by neil purvis and robert wade who wrote all of pierce brosnan's movies beforehand mm-hmm. and then have written um, most of the daniel craig movies that's interesting um they actually wrote casino royale for pierce brosnan i got some notes on that as a matter of yeah. fact yeah so before he dropped out and then they wanted to do kind of like a total rewrite uh quentin tarantino wanted to be attached to this movie and set it in the 60s uh with pierce brosnan with the same story which is kind of interesting Weird. those are the notes that i have here and then uh when brosnan um well actually it was yeah henry cavill and pierce brosnan were both rejected for the role of bond because of their age cavill being 22 and brosnan then being 53 um <laughs> and uh when when brosnan wasn't uh rehired for the role tarantino very publicly berated their producers and refused to have anything more to do with the project even though he was never attached to the movie at the time. <laughs> I have opinions. Thanks, Quentin. <laughs> yeah, th- thanks for nothing again, and I Quentin think he, Tarantino. I think in an interview not that long ago, he credited himself with how successful Casino Royale was and like wanting it to be like a gritty modern and thing. Like, which dude, is like, go away. Go away. Is he like one of the worst people ever? It feels mm, that way. Mm. Uh, and so it's interesting reading about how the writers and MGM Studios and Eon Productions really wanted to try to reinvent Bond for the modern age. Um, and that was to have strong female characters in it. And I really think, um, and one video I was watching pointed out how whenever um, like there is acts of intimacy, it usually ends with a woman being on top. And James Bond is usually receiving orders from women. He's like, you know, Eva Green is basically like running the money of the show mm-hmm. um, because the British government is loaning him $15 million to enter this high stakes poker game. And she just says flat out, no, you're, you you lost all the money. I'm not giving you any more. And so he has to yeah, turn. Yeah, she was like, you're fucking reckless. Like, right. get out of here. Um, and then even talking about how important Judy Dench is M, the leader of MI6 is, uh, which and she was a carryover from Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Um, his era as James Bond. Um, and I think we definitely have to talk about Mads Mikkelsen as well. I can't believe I, he hasn't come up yet. I know. I love Mads Mikkelsen, and this was my Good first introduction to him. Um, he he did, like, some, like, horror, not horror series, but some, like, crazy brutal action series, too. But, like, I wonder if this was, like, one of his ber- first big, like, American productions. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I remember watching this with my dad and it was the scene where Bond is getting tortured by Lashif and he's like Mm -hmm. laughing his ass off. I think that scene is really funny. But like my dad and I are drinking watching this movie and he's just sitting there and he's just like, yeah, look, bitch. (laughs) And that was like his big take on Lashif. (laughs) I kind of love that he is a middleman, a money man of sorts. Yeah. Um, He's not like blowfeld or this big you know conspiracy leading villain he's just a guy that takes money from people and he fucked up by betting it 
betting against the stock market because he planned a terrorist attack mm. um, on this big plane at Miami, which Bond thwarts. And if the plane, the experimental plane blew up, then that company would lose all their money. But since it didn't blow up, uh, he lost, I think they said $110 million yeah. Yeah, of that's, that's warlords and terrorist money. Yeah. Um, He's very good in it. And like, it's a weird movie because so much of it is around like a poker table, mm-hmm. um, which I, in my head is like boring as fuck. But like, I actually love just the looks everyone is giving each other. Like the scene when like Bond gets poisoned and leaves to like, you know, make die. sure he doesn't die. die. <laughs> and then he just like comes back and like the chief's face is like so stunned. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I like love all of those looks that they, they give each other. I, I th- oh, go ahead. Or I just was wondering if Mads Mikkelsen learned specifically for the movie how to flip chips in his, between his fingers oh, very good or whether it. he, he was just naturally good. had that talent. And I, 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 I was he's just got some pretty like tricky, like, uh, culinary moves and Hannibal and stuff. So okay. maybe he's just like good at things he's like that. good with his fingers or something. The way he laid the <laughs> chips out on the table, he clearly had all of the smoothest moves that suggest I, I am the best card player and chip handler at this table. Mm-hmm. Also, the fact that he fucking bleeds tears yep. was so I know. wild. They never explain why, but he has uh, like a damaged eye with like scarring around mm-hmm. it. And then throughout the movie, he bleeds from his tear duct because of the damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ultimately is his tell in poker, um, which is pretty cool. And this movie is, since it is about poker and gambling, is very much focused on people's eyes. Yeah. Um, because Bond tells... Um, Vesper Lynn, Eva Green's character, that it's not really about what cards you have in your hand. It's about playing the person across from you. Um, and so Daniel Craig has those great blue eyes that are just so expressive, mm. so emotive that I think that's one reason for me, I think, why he's a really successful Bond in this film is because he's just and whether it's Daniel Craig or the direction, um, really able to get a lot out of him in just very nuanced facial performances. He is the best snarky face. Mm-hmm. Like, when he's just like, yeah, I'm getting away with something. Yeah. Or he's that, like, puckered lip. That's like, he does is, that yeah. little, like... Saucy. Pow, yeah. Or like, <laughs> <laughs> when he gets out of the water in the ocean. I know. Yeah. Like, and that's I a scene it. usually reserved for Bond girls. So it's kind of interesting how they try to flip some of these tropes on their head. <clears throat> they additionally had to have members of the crew shoo away paparazzi during that sequence. <laughs> so they're filming it. Uh, probably the most infamous scene in this movie is the torture scene. Um, so the premise mentioned how they have to win a high stakes poker game or else, uh, Lashif is going to get his money back and f- continue to fund terrorists throughout the world. Uh, so, you know, over the course of the movie, Bond eventually wins, uh, but then he's captured by, um, Lashif and then tortured, uh, by basically cutting out the bottom of a chair and undressing Bond and whacking his ball sack with a tied rope. Um, and I think this movie the structure of it's really great because Bond doesn't start with any of his gadgets, his suit, his car. Eventually, he's given those things, mm-hmm. and then in one moment, uh, Lashif just strips all that, literally stripping him naked and attacking his masculinity. And then I think that's a real, the most important moment for Bond because it's like, am I going to give up this information or am I just going to laugh at his face and say that he has an itch down there? Mm-hmm. Um, a really brutal scene, but I think, and a great. Ref- um, refuting like classic bond with like Dave, you mentioned being tied to the table and having like a laser beam going toward him. Mads Mikkelsen says, um, I never understood basically like I never understood all these like elaborate torture practices. Like there's really nothing more, um, damaging than attacking a man this way. Um, and knowing that if this keeps going on, there'll be no semblance of, uh, the man that he has left. 
So it's sort of a great thesis Ugh, on squirming. Yeah. yeah, that's rough. <laughs> I think that's a really great that's, thesis statement uh, for what this movie was trying to accomplish. Um, he's also uh, so in Quantum of Solace. Um, one of his connections in this movie comes back. Uh, Jeffrey Wright's character Felix, Wright. mm-hmm. who like Jeffrey Wright's so amazing, and he plays like Felix, this FBI agent, and his boss in it, who's like the sleazy FBI agent, who's like kind of like okay working with terrorists, is played by. David Harbour no. from Stranger Things. No, David Harbour, no! <laughs> he doesn't have a beard or anything, and he just looks like some like basic white, like, you know, sits behind a desk, like, FBI dork. Um, it's amazing. Definitely, if you watch Quantum of Solace, pay attention to that. I think that's a reason to go back and watch it now. Yes. Yeah. Um, awesome. That's kind of a lot of what I had written down about the movie. Any other kind of final thoughts on Casino Royale? The actors, the set pieces... James Bond in general. I liked the beginning credits. I thought it was like <laughs> really well done, actually. And you know, it's the first. <laughs> it's really funny you bring that up. This is the first uh, James Bond movie to uh, not feature uh, silhouettes of nude women uh, in the opening credits. Oh, oh wow! Well, hey. It was sung by Chris Cornell. R.I.P. Oh, yeah. Have you seen uh, Sam the Skyfall intro with Adele? What no? But I love that song. Uh, you should look up the. I think that's the best that James Bond is, intro. Uh, that yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah. Just Google that. That's and anybody. That's cred. a really great visual way to like mm-hmm. start the movie in that song. Won the Oscar, right? Mm-hmm. Best original song. Yeah. 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 Um, one day I definitely want to talk about Skyfall, but I wanted to start with where it all began, especially because this is probably Daniel Craig's last Bond movie, um, yeah. the upcoming one, No yeah. Time to Die. Uh, so we'll see kind of how they wrap it up. Oh, and one last point about we kind of talked about the tenuous nature of the abstract villainy. Um, so there's this kind of secret organization that's not named until the second movie called Quantum. Uh, Spectre is the big bad organization in the James Bond books by Ian Fleming. But he co-wrote uh, the book, I think, called Thunderbolt with somebody. Yes. Um, I forget their name. And when Ian Fleming passed away he retained the these uh, movie rights hmm. and so for 30 40 years that co-author did not give mgm eon productions the right to use blofeld or specter um so that's huh. why in um casino Royale quantum of solace they can't say specter but then he passed away mgm sony who eon whoever so- made a deal with his family that name <laughs> i'm sure the family was like sure go ahead give us a couple million bucks and take you know. yeah um, so that's why Spectre is called Spectre, because a couple years, a year or two before, they got the rights back to use that. So that's why Spectre is not in the first two movies. Um, and maybe that would have hmm. benefited if they were able to use Blofeld or have some recognizable Some, like, more continuity. Iconic, yeah. yeah. Iconography. Mm-hmm. Rights are very interesting. Maybe boring to some, but I kind of think all that stuff's interesting of how it that is. works. And really frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man! <laughs> cool. Any final thoughts before we take a break? Just one final note. I did think it was interesting that you chose uh, this as your, your representation of action films because, um, and especially as you pointed out early on, this is a, a Bond that isn't so quippy. It's not like a Bond that like has, a, as you put it, a one-liner to uh, to kind of apply this like comedic bomb to uh, the action and to the murder and the mayhem that he creates and the collateral damage and the people that he kills. Um Especially regarding one-liners, because, like, for me, so many great action films are pinned upon their use of one-liners that that in, that diffuse that and therefore kind of make an excuse for the momentum of what is, all, all, as far as its context, a kind of horrifying collateral damage kind of situation, but we're propelled by the action and momentum of the film itself, so we kind of disregard that as aided by one-liners that diffuse that. So, 
yeah, I think it's an interesting choice and one for me to kind of mull over a little mm. bit as we approach, especially the, <laughs> I don't know, especially the movie that I've chosen because it's kind of the opposite. <laughs> so that'll be great. And I think this movie, knowing that it had it was introducing a new Bond um, and wanted to have a different take, I think subverted a lot of the one-liners that we come to know from the Bond friend, like felt like the the when he's ordering a drink at the casino, the guy's like, would you like it shaken or stirred? And, and Dan just, look like just goes, care? yeah, just look like I give a damn. And then you don't get until the final scene where he in, he's like the name's bond james or like he says something like yeah that. he says the name's uh he mr white who was kind of like the pulling the strings for la chief um he shoots him in the knee at his at his lake Had resort so much knee violence yeah in this movie oh wait also in the ne- in the next movie too. Okay, <laughs> next <laughs> movie too in the next one it's a thing in action films yo yeah, knee yeah, violence i knee. think we talked about eye violence for me it's knee, knee violence, violence. Ooh. Ooh. Um, and in that final scene, we do not hear the famous James Bond theme until he says the name's Bond, James Bond, cut the credits. That's when you hear the theme. So, dude, yeah, come in. Kind of like, so that was a cool uh, Sonic pretty trick. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for this wonderful discussion, guys. We're going to be taking a little break and coming back with our whiteboard question. Welcome back to the whiteboard question. That is my rendition. If I were to uh, do a Bond theme song, that would be it. Titled James Bond by Connor Feeney. And so that, of course, is going to now become what you've just heard. We're going to have to use that. Of course. I can give you more, too, if you want. I've got it for days. Um, I also do a great Adele impression now. That just stunned me. Absolutely stunned me. Um, uh, whiteboard question for today. And, um, even though Daniel Craig doesn't really have any gadgets in this movie, one thing that's great about spy movies is the tools, the gadgets, the weapons that they have. And so the question I put forward to you guys is if you were to be a super spy secret agent, what would your signature gadget or weapon be, or just your favorite one to use? So when I grow up, I want to be Peggy Carter and everything that she does and uses in her agent Carter show. Um, the little, like, mini vignette that they did to kind of test the waters with her she like fucking uses a stapler against someone which is amazing but um what i would want is her sweet dreams lipstick Mm. um so if i'm remembering correctly it's poison and um i don't know if it's something that just like knocks people out which is what the name would suggest or if it's just straight up death um <laughs> both is fine the both is fine but that's what color what would be want. death what color would be just knocking people out um i think death would be like a 
like a mauvey purple. I'm so glad you didn't go with black with the obvious choice. Yeah, good call. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just thinking of colors that I wear. Oh, and so okay. like a like a like a mauve purple that that would be because no one would expect but that's the color I wear most often. Mm. If you were oh, green lipstick, everybody fatal. would everybody mm-hmm. would like Sam. Why are you wearing green lipstick? Yeah, like what's that? What's that? <laughs> and then so I think knocking people out would be like a, a little bit more of a berry. No. Oh. Okay. Excellent. Underrated show, Agent Carter. Very true. <laughs> not second season, not so much, but yeah. first season, season. Was so good. Um, mine's a product placement for a uh, product I'm uh, trying to promote, uh, which is called Book. No, uh, some of no. you may have heard of Book. <laughs> Why are you doing this? So Bond could uh, use Book to stay up to date on all the latest literature and reading material. <laughs> so Book is a great. How is uh, it spelled? Does it like a U with oh, the you dots? Know it. Like, <laughs> So book is great for winter time or for springtime, whether you have sleeves or no sleeves. And it has interior pockets for different sizes and shapes of books. Maybe Bond can have some other gadgets inside his jacket too, but he's on the beach. He's just finished a mission. He wants to kick back, relax, read the new Baldacci movie or whatever that thriller writer is. And he pulls out a book. From Book and Reads. Thank you for that sponsorship, Book. So yeah, we, we better, we better if get you that. You see now. me on Shark Tank. I'll be promoting Book. It comes in uh, spring cuts with no sleeves. It's a vest, vest Book. Oh, it's not like a leather jacket with no sleeves. No, it's got to be thick because Sounds oh, cool. and like it, a the books protect Bond from bullets. Breast pocket, two books right on the breast pocket will be good bulletproof component of the uh, core area. Yeah. That's what I got. Thanks, Christine. You love me speechless. I'm looking for investors. Anyone listening? I'm going to Kickstarter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So I like, I couldn't like come up with any like really good thoughts. Although I do feel like the Aston Martin is a gadget yep. in this movie. And I love when he's just like looking through like all the stuff the car has. I think that part's amazing. Um, but uh, something came to mind that I haven't thought of in a while. Um, did uh, you guys watch Arthur when you were growing yes. up? Yes. <laughs> um, there's an episode where he wants these moon sneaker things that make you like bounce really high. Moon awesome. shoes. Yeah, 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 yeah they're yeah, just moon, moon shoes. shoes. Okay. Uh, and that's like the it thing that like all the kids want in that episode and I thought it was like the coolest thing ever and have like low key wanted a pair of those for a long time and they probably would come in handy for like spy type situations just bounce right over the villain that would be great sounds like a Doug episode too yeah bye I think the closest we have come have you guys seen these shoes that are like bows uh, like sort of concave, like plastic bows that have like what look like ski boots. I saw this woman jogging with yes. these. So you have seen yes. these, like looking like a prosthetic yes. limb, kind of. No, it's no, no, it's it's like a boat <laughs> for your shoe. Yeah. That yes. bounces. I'm so yes. glad you so know what I'm just talking like, about. Him. Yeah, like arc, like convex arc underneath your shoe that like you can like. Gung, gung, gung. Yes, okay. exactly. What the fuck is that even for? 
Moon shoes. At first, I was like, no, I've never. And then I'm like, oh, no, 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 I have. I've never seen someone in person, but I've seen them online. I, there's this person that I saw jogging. Oh, so that's pretty cool. Oh, it sounds just better like, than those just, fucking, like, shoes people wear that, like, shape con- ups. <clears throat> My question, I guess, though, is how is that going to help you be a, a better spy? Because someone's going to be like, did you recognize anyone wearing anything weird? It's like, uh, guy, that person with the bowed shoes, no, they were pretty normal. <laughs> Um, but again, it'll give you that little oomph and boost you need. I guess so. Yeah, maybe you'll be so fast yeah. and bouncy, they won't see you. Oh, I think your super spy shoes will be more discreet. They won't have a giant boat attached to them. Reach the heights of, uh, I don't know, deception. Maybe it's more of a flubber situation. <laughs> maybe. That'd be an interesting crossover. How about you, Dave? Um, I guess, um, screen capture contacts. Oh, so like, you know, you see something that you need to like document and like have a digital file version of it, a high res. You can just like, I don't know, like snap your finger or do some sort of like um, some sort of thing that like uh, resonates with the contacts themselves and captures the image of what you're physically looking at. Oh. That'd be handy. Who's for, this like, guy snapping everywhere in this control room? <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> just click, 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 click. We cover that by being a jazzy spy. You're like walking into a place and you're just like, not doing anything suspicious, <laughs> just not taking any pictures. <laughs> snap, snap. Did you guys ever read this story uh, called Cam Jansen? Does this ring a bell? Oh, she was kind of like, a, I would say, an elementary school detective and she had photographic memory and she was people called her cam because she would blink and go click and she could capture things in her mind oh not clam clam jansen no that girl no, keeps that saying clam and i don't know what's going on over there. you know who else can actually do that and they've talked about it a little bit uh what's his face chad michael murray has photographic memory? Yeah. Nice. It's got to be very Good handy. Script, learning scripts. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you learn it, but can you act it? In his case, no. He's like, I know this <laughs> word for savage. word. <laughs> Forget interpretation. Got him. <laughs> I think mine would have to be uh, a grappling hook. Oh. oh. I just think a grappling hook is just... I would just love to have just to be able to shoot on oh. something and then you just get to propel yourself up there. Oh my god, in Phantom Menace. Yeah, you just want to be Batman. <laughs> I think I just want to be Batman. When they were just all outside the window. I know. <laughs> and just the slowest <laughs> thing going up. But yeah, I think a grappling hook. I would just like a grappling hook. My constant thought with grappling hooks is like, what if the thing you've like grappled to isn't sturdy enough? <laughs> yeah. Like, you're going to be halfway up and uh, makes you so nervous. How do you hold you're on to that person easily too? The magnetic gloves. No, no, I'm saying like, oh. do you let do you keep it like on a carabiner by your side? Yeah, it's like it's it's, it's like pen sized. Oh, oh, like nice. a super stealthy. Got it. Sounds cool. Must be tripwire too. I was thinking like bowling ball size. Suspend disbelief a little bit here, but that's all right. Yeah, come on, book. I know, I know. I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> I'm preparing you for Shark Tank. Oh my god. Um. All right. Those are some great the answers. hooks exist. No, I know, but like. <laughs> <laughs> Ten size grappling hook. That's an invention. <laughs> All right. So we've been butter with that today. I think we should wrap it up. Um, uh, God, Book just really threw me for a whirl there. Uh, butter with that podcast at gmail.com. Um, let us know if you have a favorite James Bond movie. Tom, if you're listening, send us paragraphs and we'll read them. <laughs> paragraphs and paragraphs and we'll read them out loud. He might. Uh, we got Instagram. We got Twitter. We got Facebook. Anybody got anything they want to shout out? Cinema 76. Yeah, basically it. Go see Cats. 
Just do it. Go Just see 1917. Double feature, like Dave did. <laughs> well, I, I, that didn't work out. I, if only it had. That would have been a disorienting day. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for joining us on the first episode of our action movie theme time. Uh, be sure to invest in Book and have a great rest of your day. <laughs> yes.